1: My name is Rich Schmidt. Uh, We're here with Amanda Woodstrom-Higgins at the Nicholson Library at Linfield University. It's March 1st, 2023. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, The first question to get you started is why wine?
2: Well, wine is a a beautiful intersect between agriculture, farming, community, and food. And um, it has a power to transcend people into different places, uh, different periods of time. Um, And also through cultures. I mean, some of my favorite experiences in wine is being able to travel the world and learn about extensive history or new regions. Um, I feel blessed to have been able to spend the last couple of days in the the Oregon wine country, which has been really an amazing experience.
1: So let's talk about your life before wine a little bit. Tell us about where you were born and raised and sort of life before wine.
2: Sure. So I'm a fourth generation agriculturalist. From the Paso region of California, that's halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, similar to the Oregon, Oregon you know, wine-growing region, it's a rural community. Um, we, you know, the predominant farming and and, and um, industries are really cattle and 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 alfalfa, wheat, hay, walnuts. Um, and then there was a neighboring, uh, uh, you know, a few other thing, industries that were around. But mainly this this region where I grew up was based around agriculture and it was a, you know, um, a working class community. And oh, the AVA was created in 1983, just a year after I was born. And what had transpired since I grew up was um, this this passion and research and um, you know, this some of the greatest minds from the wine community have found Paso Robles as being a really special region for a number of reasons. Be aside from you know proximity to the ocean, soil, topography, diurnal temperature swings, and so um, after graduating from college in the early two thousand mid two thousands. Um, I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life to agriculture and telling the story of farmers and people in this industry and really creating a bridge between generations Because and also communities because I think that um, growing up in agriculture is very special, you know, and being from a rural community, you know, there's a smaller and smaller amount of people in the United States that are from rural communities, you know, there's the highest density and in the urban environments. And so um, I realized that, you know, my friends who came from living in town or the city couldn't wait to ride horses. They couldn't wait to, you know, play in the tree fort. They couldn't wait to be outside and riding ATVs and, and, and really being part of agriculture. And whether that was picking, picking eggs from chickens or eating fresh fruit from trees, And I just know that there's this love and passion for farming when people have the opportunity to be exposed to it. And so my draw to the wine industry is really bridging that gap and inviting people from other communities and other walks of life to be part of agriculture, that we can all sit at the same table together. And and we really are so much more alike as as humans, as individuals, as, as Americans. Um, then sometimes I think we believe and so wine really brings all of us together and that's what I love.
1: You mentioned going to school tell me about uh, college and what you what you studied and then after school kind of where you thought you were headed.
2: So like many young people when you grow up in a certain industry or um, in agriculture um, I thought I wanted to do something different um, but what I studied and what I've always had a huge love and passion for is people. Um, I was a social science major, which is um, sociology, geography, and anthropology. And the study of people has, I think, really set me apart in my professional career, my love, and, my love for people, because um, bringing communities together and understanding that we are different, but we are very much the same has been really important. Um, So I grew up in agriculture, studied something else. Um, My actually my senior project was on uh, job satisfaction in the workplace. And and so creating teams and getting the most out of the people that you work with um, was looking back almost 20 years later is something that I've always loved to do, um, because that's really, I think, in the in the business environment or in. Um, in society is like how can you get the most out of the people around you um so that you know you're showcasing their talents whether their talents are you know whether you're dealing with a vineyard whether you're dealing with an individual whether you're dealing with you know something special in a particular community how can you showcase those talents that that draws consumers in that draw that draws affection from other people so it's kind of something that i've been doing my whole life um and it was it it I, I loved being able to incorporate that into the wine industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I love cattle ranching. I have horses. I do rodeo for fun, um, which is, uh, you know, is something I am really passionate about. My husband and I raise our two children in that environment as well. Um, and also sports. I played basketball in college. Um, i was a fierce competitor. I, um, I like to win, but I also really understand the value of team. And so, you know, I, those were kind of before getting into my professional, that was kind of my, my two big, uh, focuses, so to speak.
1: So after graduating, what was the, what was your, so your first step?
2: So I graduated in 2005 and it was a really interesting time within, you know, the, the economy, at least the economy where, where I was at, it was like all time high, um, I actually entered a career for a short time that I soon quickly realized was not a great fit for me. Um, and that's when I was like, I need to be involved with agriculture because these are my people. And similar to Oregon, um, Paso Robles is I you know you this is the developed wine region, but unless you're Napa or Bordeaux, I think there's probably more room to develop, right? So, We are in our region, a lesser known community. What's beautiful about that is you need one another Mm -hmm. because the rising tide lifts all boats. And so to be in an industry that is unlike almost any other industry, I mean, how often do you see bankers getting together and talking about how they're going to elevate the banking industry? It just, it doesn't, perhaps that happens. I've never been around that. But in agriculture and specifically in the wine industry, we're building the reputation of the AVA. You don't want a customer to just buy your brand. You want the customer to come to their region and experience all of the brands. You want to develop that reputation as a region. And so that collaboration and camaraderie is unique. And I just knew that that was something that I'm personally passionate about um, and bringing, you know, Taking this fruit, which is trans, transforming, you know, grapes into wine, is you know perhaps the most expressive or luxurious way to 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 transform agriculture. And so, being able to take that and share it with people around the country has been such a gift. Um, and I've been really blessed throughout my career to travel all over the country, um, and 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 the world, learning about wine, but also sharing the story of of our region that we call home. Mm-hmm. But the truth is um, the wine industry is beautiful and there's something special about every place that you go. I was just fortunate enough to be able to travel um, to Dundee Hills and you know tour with Alan Holstein this morning and listening to his journey and the innovation and you know the renegade spirit of those people within our the Oregon wine community Um, you know not that long ago is really inspiring and I think every region has a story that's similar to that um, in some way and hey we don't make Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris and Chardonnay where we're at so there's something beautiful about every region that Mm -hmm. we are not in competition with one another we need to build the category of wine.
1: So as this started to kind of come into focus for you after school and you're starting to realize that ag, wine, this is what you need to do. Uh, what were your kind of the first steps for you? What were you thinking about? How did you get yourself into a place where you could make a difference? Mm-hmm.
2: So it's kind of ironic. My family's, um, my family had joined forces with a couple of other families to, um, to purchase a vineyard that was planted by the Robert Mandavi family on our ranch. We have a 14,000 acre ranch with two other partners. And the Robert Madavi family had done an enormous amount of exploration in the late 1990s and actually had secured a thousand acre lease on our ranch. They developed that property and had plans um, you know, to create their own brands and use, utilize that fruit because they felt like that land was really special. Um, it's in the southernmost portion of the Pastorable's region in the sub Appalachian of uh, Santa Margarita Ranch. And it's one of the coolest climates and it's got some of the most calcareous soils. And when they developed that property, it was when in, like I said, the early the early 2000s, you know, Pastorables was not a region that was a household name. So this was a big investment. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, in 2005, uh, the Madavi company, you know, um, was forced to sell or chose to sell uh, to Constellation. And at that point, um, there was a huge oversupply of fruit in the marketplace in 05. It was one of the biggest vintages in history. We had taken control of that vineyard in August of 05, which is right at harvest time. Um, they had known they were going to sell. And so the inputs had been, you know, uh, fairly moderate uh, to, to, to none um, from a farming side. And so we had a lot of fruit available that we needed to find a home for. And so we immediately um, the partners had, had, had created a production facility and we were in full steam. And at that time you could create, you know, you, it, it was so much cheaper to buy fruit than grow it. We, we were left with the oversupply. And so, um, for better or worse, we, the owners decided that, we, you know, we need to be in control of our destiny. This is too risky to be only growers. And we had had other vineyards in the past, but, this was truly something special. And so we decided to create our own brand, um, which proved to be, you know, it was definitely a worthwhile venture, but it's very challenging, especially with a vineyard of that size. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the next 15 years, my charge was really to create national distribution footprint, um, national account account, uh, penetration, direct to consumer program, oversee innovation events, product development, working with our winemaking team. And so it was really an exciting time to be able to start something from scratch um, and have a lot of confidence and support from an ownership perspective to take chances and learn. And so one of the first things I did was um, I hired someone who was, is someone that is still a friend and mentor today um, who essentially provided, you know, was like six months of a very intense training on all things wine related, because the last thing that I would recommend for a family winery is to hire Your kids who know nothing. (laughs) Um, But I was at the time, that's the choice they made. Um, And it proved to work out okay for all of us. But, you know, it was really learning the ins and outs of the business. And so, you know, we quickly uh, developed a label and then a couple of years later um, developed and then redeveloped because, you know, we didn't get it right. You know, you don't always get things right on the first time. Mm Um, but over the last 15 years, yeah, growing that program nationally, creating relationships, um, traveling the country. Um, but I'm most proud of creating a very dynamic team that um, ultimately was able to serve um, in my absence when I when I made the decision to move in, in a different direction in 2023. So um, it's been one of, an incredible experience and one that I'm forever grateful for.
1: You talked about the challenges and obviously nu- numerous challenges in, in that kind of a venture. Uh, what did you find to be the either the biggest or the most surprising challenges? And what were some of the maybe novel to the wine industry solutions you had to come up with?
2: Well, I think the biggest challenge for most new producers um, in a um, underrepresented AVA without history of winemaking. I mean, there's a number of, um, but, you know, there's the the wine category is you know the number of SKUs and producers is the probably arguably the most competitive category like of any products i don't know of any product that has more SKUs than the wine industry it's extremely competitive um the three-tiered sister the three-tiered system is also a, a difficult network to manage um, you know, between creating relationships and managing inventory and then going out and developing your own market share, um, you know understanding what the market wants, um, being able to produce products within a price point that are going to have natural uh, momentum in the marketplace but are still viable from a profitability standpoint. So there's a number of things that are important. I say they're challenges, but I you know I think there are opportunities to overcome. Um, you know, and, and when you have, um, a vineyard, that's your, your goal is to grow to a certain case volume, you know, it's important that, you know, your price point initially, um, may not be the right ratio, but down the line, you know, if you can grow market share, you know, that things pencil out. And so there's a number of things to consider. Um, but I think that the, the barriers with distribution, there's, there's not very many distributors. And um, because of the way that alcohol works and every state is different, um, you know, it's it's really important to develop those relationships that are quality mm-hmm. and then continuing to get out and tell your story in the marketplace in a very competitive environment that changes regularly. Um, COVID was maybe one of the most difficult times. In some ways, it was um, hyper successful from a direct-to-consumer perspective. We were very innovative. Um, and creating programs that really pushed us forward. But, you know, the, um, you know, the absence of 30% of on-premise, <laughs> of 30% of our business being on-premise was, you know, it was a real challenge. So those are a couple of the biggest challenges, I think.
1: You mentioned story, obviously a huge part of the wine industry. Tell me about how, as you grew and as you got more comfortable when the role uh, how do you relate your story, and how do you f- what what do you find resonates with people when you are telling your story?
2: Well, from my story is um, is really one of just someone who grew up in the wine industry that has um, a wealth of knowledge and and is able to parlay that into, you know, into helping others today. And so my time at um, our family's company. Um, Was amazing, and then in 2018, I, I um, had noticed. Well, I had noticed things for for a couple of years, um, that I felt like women were underrepresented in the executive level position wise, in the industry. Um, And I've had amazing mentors that are men. I love men. It's just that when you look at if you look at overall wine consumption, it's largely female based. If you look at the most recent Silicon Valley bank report, you will see that the wine industry for the second consecutive year has lost market share. So when you think about, not only how am I gonna grow my brand or how you think about how am I gonna grow the category? You, I mean, if we are not doing a good enough job as an industry, of representing the needs of half of the population, that perhaps it's an opportunity to facilitate change. Um, you know, I was also very fortunate to be part of a family business. And so um, from the beginning, I had the ability to be in, in meetings and, and part of discussions that not everyone at, you know, at my age was able to be a part of. But as I continued to evolve, evolve as a leader, I, I noticed that you know it's largely um, older white men who own vineyards and are at the executive level within the distribution and an ownership level. Now, um, that's no big deal, except for we're losing market share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so in my mind, I thought, well, if we continue to do things the way we've always done with the same voices you know, we can't, you know, we can't expect different results. Mm -hmm. So instead of um, being accusatory or pointing fingers, I thought, um, what can I do to help change that? Mm -hmm. What can I help do to change that? Because the worst thing in when you want to advocate for change in my mind is you want to bring people in to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And so that's where dream big darling was born. And it's a tribute to my grandmother who always called me darling. She was born in a really tough year or a tough time. And she always had this passion for love and kindness. And she wasn't a rich woman. She, you know, was a high school graduate, maybe. Um, But, you could feel that love and kindness. And that was when she said, darling, what I found out at my, at her funeral was that she called everyone darling. (laughs) So, um, but it was this term of endearment with love. And I thought, you know, that's free, you know, you, that doesn't cost a darn thing. And there was so many people that showed up at her funeral that it just made me think like, that's what a real winner is. That's what, um, that's what's important. If I'm going to, You know, what's my legacy going to be? Um, I had at that time a newborn daughter and I thought, how am I going to make the world a better place for her? And so it was through, um, you know, mentorship, education and connecting this community of the next generation of women, not women at the executive level, because maybe they don't really need the help, but it's identifying those top performers, who who don't realize how important it is to have access to opportunity and and others and offer them them a hand up, but then also offer them the opportunity for visibility, because with visibility comes opportunity. So um, we've got a number of programs that you know showcase um, individuals throughout our community with Dream Big Darling. We've got one-on-one coaching programs for professional developments. Um, we're doing we do a, a leadership retreat. We're doing a number of things. It in it's important to keep it small and focused because we're looking to bake deep penetration within the lives of you know a small group of individuals. We're not trying to just ju- gently touch hundreds of people. We want to create a culture of giving back. And so my vision would be. That we don't need this organization. My vision would be that there's great representation, that that are the that we're gaining share as an industry, um, you know, and and uh, and really for those people that are part of our program to use the kindness that they've been bestowed, and and realize that should be the fabric of leadership moving forward, mm-hmm. and that and they continue.
1: So you're talking about you mentioned like kind of a deep deeper dive into a smaller number of people. So how do you identify people that need that should be part of your program, and what are the like most successful strategies you've used so far?
2: So one of the things that um, that we do is we have an advisory uh, group, and these are individuals, uh, women, leader, women in leadership from all aspects of the industry throughout the country. Um, from media to distributors to master sommeliers to, um, you know, national accounts. So we've got people within our network who are um, kind of like our secret spies, so to speak. So um, when we have opportunities, we we work on, you know, traditional traditional methods of getting the work out. But really, we actively kind of recruit and recommend that people who we feel like would be a great um, would be a great fit for the program, apply. And then we have a pretty rigorous application process because this is a lot of time and energy. And so we want to make sure that it's being utilized in a way that is most impactful. And so it's, you know, a questionnaire. It's a it's a two to three minute video um, talking about why they should be included in the program. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a number of things that we look at to make sure that... You know, we're really getting people who want to take it seriously.
1: What have been the biggest successes so far? What have you found to be the the most notable accomplishments so far?
2: The most notable accomplishments, um, you know, when people get paid more money, when they redirect their career in a way that is utilizing their natural gifts, um, when they come back to the program... You know, this we this it was, um, we conceived this in 2018, so it's not, you know, it's not enormously old, but I constantly get feedback on this changed my life. I made friends throughout this community that are in my wedding, who I'm leaning on, who have helped me find jobs, who have, you know, I've been able to help others, and so. I think the, the biggest benefit is knowing that you truly have impacted others. And it doesn't happen overnight. And to be honest, the people we pick, they were probably going to be successful anyway, right? But we're just hoping that, you know, we can connect them and, and make their trajectory so much so much better and stronger.
1: Have you, as you've now been focused on this, or five five years into being kind of focused on this, have you started to see changes larger than your organization? Have you started to see the industry heading in a direction that makes you more pleased?
2: Absolutely. I think that there's a huge, um, you're seeing it in a number of respects. Um, You know, if you look at categories within the um, national retail scope, they're now dedicating, um, you know, square footage, space on the shelf for different initiatives. Um, Something that's exciting to me is this is Women's History Month, right? Mm -hmm. March 1st. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, last month was Black History Month. so they're now now the retailers are helping create space for important initiatives on their shelf because they they're listening and they know that people want that. Um, I think that you know seeing the loss of uh, market share is also prompting people who to to think, hey, we maybe should be doing this differently and so we've seen, um, a number of of individuals and businesses that are interested in supporting these efforts. And I think we're moving in the right direction. Although I have to tell you, it's, um, it feels like it's moving a little bit slow for my liking, but you know, when easy come, easy go. And so I think that, you know, slow change that is, um, is authentic is really important. And, um, Hey, it's gonna take it's gonna take a while to make these changes. I mean, I, I remember, you know, it's it could take a generation, um, you know, and that's if people want to change. So it's um, it's slow moving, but I think that we're moving in the right direction. And what's gonna help us move a lot faster is if we can teach these this next generation to have the confidence. That they need to go in and, and and utilize their gifts, ask for what they want, because hey, you're never going to get what you don't ask for. And so, um, that's that's through confidence. And um, and so I think we're on a really you know an exciting journey as mm-hmm. um, as an industry. And um, even when things aren't perfect, it's an opportunity to to improve. So I'm happy to be part of. I'm happy to be part of that process in a way that is proactive and not accusatory. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: You talked earlier about sort of the the travel aspect of, of being in the wine industry and of your work. Um, I'm curious as you have seen more of the wine industry now, um, what are your, how do various places compare? Uh, Obviously California, where you're coming from, uh, Paso Robo's, where you're coming from most, most familiar with, but, How do other places compare? And do you feel like the industry, do you feel like it is an industry moving in a direction or do you feel like it's a number of sort of smaller industries kind of all doing their own thing?
2: Well, I think that um, it's a hard question to answer. Um, What I love about the wine industry is that it transcends like, you know, every region in the world, Um, that every region really truly has something special, whether you're in Northern Rhone, Um, whether you're in Cohors drinking Malbec, whether you're in Napa Valley drinking Cabernet Sauvignon or in Oregon trying, you know, Pinot and and, um, or Pastorables drinking some crazy blend because they have a, you know, kind of a lack of history. (laughs) So um, I think that the consumer is very interested and engaged. And I think that... um, I'm surprised that we're losing market share because I, I believe the next generation is very um, cause focused and is interested in, in learning more about where their food comes from, the brands and people that they support with their dollars. Um, so I think that, but we have to continue to evolve. I mean, we're farmers, so like we're farming, you know? And one of the things that, um, the reasons I started, My company, Full Cup Solutions, is because I love farmers and I knew that working for a single producer, I wasn't going to be able to help the whole industry move Mm -hmm. forward. But a lot of times, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have the most beautiful product in the world. If nobody knows about it, you're not going to sell it. So, you know, this because we're such a vertically integrated industry where you're often farming and then, you know, bottling and designing and then selling and, you know, you're that's a, when cattle, you raise the cattle and you, you sell them at the auction. Like you're not marketing the beef. Like it's um, I'm not saying any industry is easier or 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 not, but this is different. Like there's very important aspects of this industry that farmers probably are not aware of. If you grew up farming like. Sales, marketing, distribution, packaging, innovation, transportation. I mean, those are sometimes outweigh an importance of the actual product itself as far as how it relates to being successful or not successful. Um, And I kept seeing these farmers that I love that were so passionate about what they were doing don't realize that when they create their bottle of wine, they think their work is somehow close to done. And in their mind, they're right. But what I've realized is the moment that, you're, that the customer interacts with your product is when the journey begins. <laughs> so that is revolutionary to a lot of people who come from the agricultural side. But the ability to tell story visually through different channels, through digital um, you know, making sure that your label matches your message, you know, all of these things are very thoughtful and those who do it well are much more successful. And so, you know, not even just from a packaging, but also like your, your experience in the tasting room, being authentic, meeting the needs of the consumer, or at least just having a cohesive style for what you, you know, what, what what story you want to tell. I mean, hey, if you want to drive people around on a four-wheeler and taste in a yurt, like, that's fine. But, you know, make sure your entire message, you know, is, and I think that'd actually be a great marketing campaign. But, you know, make sure you, um, make sure you you are not, you know, um, picking somebody up in a limo and wearing a suit when you're doing it. So it's like, you just have to be really authentic and consistent in everything that you do. Um, which is sometimes hard. It's, uh, it's a, but I just love getting that authentic message to the consumer and helping companies who perhaps don't have as much experience in as many different facets of the industry have someone that they can rely on and, and, and be an advocate for. So that's why I started Full Cup Solutions and it's all centered around, you know, having, you know, heart of abundance, because that's how I love that mindset. And also we're in the wine and beverage industry. So it's keeping your glass full. Um, And it's solution-based, you know, it's, there's not really problems, there's opportunities um, to improve. And so it's been wonderful to be able to work with a number of different producers and companies. Um, That's something I get really excited about is having variety and variation. Um, And so being able to problem solve on a number of different issues that because I've been, you know, worked on some, some, a large scale project, but also helped build teams and, and traveled and worked with distributors it's a different perspective that not everyone has. And I'm happy to share it to help the entire industry.
1: So you did a nice job of laying out a lot of, obviously a lot of the challenges that uh, small family wineries or small family vineyards can face. Um, as you've gotten into with Full Cup, tell me about um, best solutions or best sort of best practices you're finding for people who are wanting to get into the wine industry and, and have have think they have the product and think they have the solution. Um, what is What are the best solutions for kind of bridging the gap between where they are and where they need to be?
2: Well, I think that um, being real clear on what you want and need is very important. Um, understanding what your gifts are and what makes you different and unique in the marketplace. Um, Also having a pretty good handle on what are the needs of the consumer Um, and making sure that, you know, you don't have to um, totally abandon (laughs) what you love, but just making sure you take into consideration what's important to your consumer. Um, You know, I know a lot of winemakers who are really into esoteric wines and, um, while that's great, maybe they don't always have to go out and sell them. So making sure that you are, you know, taking into consideration and perspective, you know, a number of different um, opinions that that are not naysayers, but that will speak truth to you mm-hmm. is really important. And I think the magic, the magic and the allure of of the wine industry and why we have the ability to be so successful is because of small producers. I mean large producers are amazing large producers that are national brands they're getting their the product out in front of you know the the entire population but the magic of the industry is with the small farmers i mean that's what i think that's where the draw is and i that's one of the things that's so amazing about this region you know 700 producers um there's a lot of small producers that that are the farmers that maybe don't have a huge volume not to sell, but they they can actually go and meet the guy that's making the wine or the woman or the family and, um, you know, talk with the person that planted that vineyard and here's what we did well and here's what we do wrong and here's what I, you know, here's what I pair this, uh, this wine with. I mean, that's the magic of our industry. And I think at every level, if you do something amazing, you will always have a customer. So...
1: So we'll start with Full Cup uh, since we're talking about it now. Um, what are sort of the future plans for Full Cup? Are there are there goals you haven't undertaken yet, or do you have ambitions beyond what you've done so far?
0: Yeah.
2: So the idea is to help to help the industry gain market share, and so um, you know, working working with producers that are at all range of sizes, helping their, them accomplish their goals, has really been. What is most exciting and um, and gratifying to me with Full Cup Solutions, and so being j- being just that advocate or that trusted person who you know you can bounce ideas off of is is really important. Um, you know, I have some other goals as far as creating seminars and um, and some digital and some digital um, plans, but um, those you know, this is my I started in, just in two thousand and 23, so um, those are still in development. But being here and visiting with um, Linfield College and over the last few days being able to talk to students and help get them excited and perhaps showing them how their their gifts can be utilized within the wine industry to make it better is a big part of what I love. And so whether that's through Dream Big Darling, whether that's through working with universities, that's um that's how I believe I'll be in addition to the work I'm already doing, is be able to change help change the face of of our of our industry.
1: Well what we're talking about Dream Big Darling mm-hmm. then, um obviously it's been a few years, been around for a few years now and you seen some progress already, um, same kind of question, future goals or, or benchmarks you're looking for on, on that side of things.
2: Yeah, I think the, the, the more of the same. More of the same, um, more really helping individuals um, make a mark in the industry, you know, and just continuing to, to grow, mm-hmm. um, to grow our network, um, to grow that community.
1: So with both those organizations, obviously, you have a, two very unique perspectives on the industry for yourself. Um, what kind of advice or words of wisdom would you share with people who are entering the wine industry based on what you've learned from those positions?
2: Well, I think, you know, don't be afraid to take chances. Um, align with companies and individuals that you deeply respect. Um, don't chase just money because if you're doing something that you love, the money will come. I think it's really important to utilize your gifts. Mm-hmm. So being, if you're a young person, uh, looking introspectively and thinking about what are my gifts and talents, and then, and then seeking advice from others on how can I utilize my gifts within this industry to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually part of the curriculum that we just taught at the, at the class before we came here because I, I think that sometimes when you have a gift, you don't even realize it's your gift um, because it comes so easily to you. But if you can figure out how to utilize that strength to leverage your career, um, you'll be a lot happier and, and you're going to make a lot more impact.
1: You brought up an interesting point earlier, talking about the loss of market share and sort of the changing changing consumer in, in wine. So as you're looking from your from your perspective, um, what are the, the sort of the new consumers of wine? How have they changed? And how does the industry need to adjust itself to meet what they are looking for in from wine?
2: Well, that's a big question. Um, you know, we certainly need to, um, be more inclusive. And I think that's something that we've heard a lot about in recent years. Um, You know, wine historically has been um, almost an elite beverage uh, within the, you know, the American community. I think in other regions in Europe, it's, it's not, not quite so elite. Um, It's more a part of everyday life. And I think that, you know, making wine a part of everyday life and, and really getting people to sit down at the dinner table and share wine share community and share stories is a way that we can make the world a better place Um, but i also think that creating experiences that are unique to the typical tasting room sit down high-end experience is something that the next generation is very much looking for um, and almost get your hands dirty or behind the scenes, um, look is, you know, if you're not thinking of, you know, vineyard tours, e-bikes, um, you know, letting people come in and visit the cellar during harvest when things aren't just beautifully manicured, (laughs) um, you might be missing an opportunity to engage a, a generation that is very interested in actually learning, um, because they're they're wanting to align with 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 products and people. And so um, I also think you have to be very authentic. Um, this generation, in particular, has been sold to their entire life. You know, they've had technology, they've had social media. They can spot a fraud like really quickly. So um, you know, you, I think that that's actually wonderful um, and it gives an edge to small producers who, maybe don't have a huge budget but are extremely authentic, well, you can show up like just as you are and win a lot, you know, win a lot of customers um, if you know how to engage them, you know, in a way that that moves the needle. So I think we're having to do things differently. Is Bottom line, um, that's why I'm here. That's why I advocate for my friends and colleagues in the industry to spend time with the next generation, to invite them to listen to what they want because that's how we should be shaping our goals as well.
1: Early, you brought up obviously the, the pandemic landing right in the middle of all of the work you're doing. Um, how have you seen it affect your work and, and the kind of the wine industry more in, in general and as we sort of move out of it now, um, what lessons have we learned?
2: Well, I don't know if we have enough time (laughs) to get (laughs) in now. You know, I honestly think the pandemic was a blessing um, for our industry um, in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways. Um, I remember watching, you know, Wine Spectator Live and they had producers from all over the world um, on social media and winemakers that you would never, that I would never have an opportunity to hear speak were all of a sudden now visible, you know, digitally. And so I think that that was really, really important. Um, And the, the industry is pretty far behind from a technological perspective. And so a lot of people had to get a lot better at direct-to-consumer, at e-commerce, which has historically been a small segment of the overall revenue for most producers. So I think it, you know, is really kind of a shot in the arm as far as like, you, you better get in this or go home because um, we don't have time to sit around and wait. It's a make it happen situation. So it pushed a lot of people forward. From a travel and national distribution perspective, I think people got a whole lot smarter with their time You know, normally you would drive or fly to an annual meeting and for market work, and now we're having to figure out ways to do it better, smarter, faster, more efficiently virtually being more engaging with presentations, sending samples with collateral kits. And so I think that that actually create, made us far more innovative as an industry, um, although it didn't feel very good at the time. <laughs> um, but I think from from that there were, you know some challenges like anything occurred with um, you know working remotely and the balance of, you know work-life balance that, that we saw a great, huge res, you know a huge amount of, Resignation in that period, and people really just took stock to evaluate. Um, gosh, what is the most important thing in my life? And um, you know, I think it was an opportunity for us to realize that you know we need to be in balance and make sure that it's a healthy environment for our employees. Um, from from that perspective, and and I think that the next generation, if we're if we're planning on retaining and recruiting top talent, that's something that they're looking for is making sure that they aren't just going to work themselves to death um, and not have time for their family. Like, you know, like I saw some of, you know, my parents and and people in their generation do, and um, they're smarter in that way, which I'm grateful for, but it's a, it is an adjustment. So. Mm -hmm.
1: So I know that obviously Oregon is not your area of focus or expertise. So take this question however you want, but I'm curious about your perspective of the Oregon wine industry, having seen it from the outside, having now been in it for a little bit. Um, what do you, what have you seen from Oregon and, and what are your kind of thoughts on where it is as a wine industry right now?
2: Well, I think it's an incredible industry. Um, it's focused on varietals that, that w- where I'm at in California, there's not much of. Um, so it's really exciting to learn about the history of the region and the development and sometimes the redevelopment due to Philoxerva. Um, You know, when I was touring with um, with Alan Holstein earlier and talking, you know, trial and error, it's it's similar to many other regions. You know, it's a um, it's a land of of innovation. It's a they have a community spirit here, which you don't find in all regions. There is really that sense of collaboration. Um, and I think that the wines are beautiful. I was at um, Lingua Franca and we were tasting wines from Burgundy alongside theirs. And I can tell you, it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing products that are coming out of this region. And what I love about it most is not only its proximity to a major airport, which is great, but um, there's a there's a really nice blend and makeup of small family artisan. But then there also is, you know, some of that really high end um, corporate type experience, which I think is wonderful for for the consumer, because, um, you know, there there's a wide range of needs or, or wants um, when when touring and visiting a region and, um, you know, to go over and meet Jeannie Brooks and, and learn about the story of Brooks Winery and the culinary program that they've, you know, embodied in their, in their garden. And, um, you know, the plantings around their house and their, and the tribute to her brother was pretty amazing. And um, the last time I was here, I did the hike between um, Christome and and Bethel Heights, which is really amazing. And I, it was like, Oh, we got to go through this gate and this gate to get to the other. And I was like, so you, you can just tell that people really love one another here and, Um, There's so much magic of that in that because, you know, if you watch the news, it doesn't make you think that that type of community exists. So it's so refreshing um, to see it in other places aside from our hometown.
1: So what's been the most gratifying part of your work so far?
2: Gosh, the most gratifying part. I mean, the, the reason I started full cup solutions and stepped away from a very successful career with our family business is because I love watching other people succeed. I want to make a difference in the agricultural community. And so being able to watch others shine is like the greatest joy Um, and to find their passion and utilize it, whether that's grape growing or, or perhaps some other you know, what uh, some other skill or superpower, as I like to call it, um, you know, that really, that's what supercharges me. <laughs> so that's my greatest gift. And then also to be able to um, create that fabric of giving back. Um, I think it's really important and, and creating opportunities for, for others like me and for women in the industry um, to know that there's a place for them here and that they, they will have the ability to thrive and grow.
1: The last question is, what's next for you personally?
2: Hmm. Oh gosh, well, it uh, seems like it's been a lot of changes lately. So I think you know, just more of the same. You know, just um, just continuing to 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 learn and grow and. Um, and who knows and be open to what you know what's next and and where my journey leads me and i'm happy to have been here today you know to be at winfield college and i think what you're doing for the oregon wine community is pretty amazing and um i'm looking forward to seeing this program grow uh, even more because there certainly is a need with the 700 producers in the state um you know to start cultivating talent and education within your own community is is a really big deal. So I'm excited to be here today.
1: And we're excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, All the questions I have, is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything you'd like to cover? I don't
2: think so. Perfect.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, And we'll go ahead and let you off the hook.
2: Sweet.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast.